Welcome back to Tech Leaders Talk, where experts and leaders in the wide world of IT discuss the industry and hard-earned career wisdom with your host, Barry Newkirk. Today's guest is David Jayaraman. David is an implementation and delivery manager at Norfolk Southern Corporation. Born in a small town in India and a graduate of Anai University in Chennai, India, David now lives in Augusta, Georgia. David has over 25 years of IT and project implementation experience. He has worked on large-scale projects that include the state of Pennsylvania, the state of South Carolina, the USDA, and the Department of Defense. Let's get right into this episode with David Jayaraman. David Jayaraman, welcome to Tech Leaders Talk. It's my pleasure, and thanks for inviting me, Barry. Oh, it's our pleasure. We're excited about the conversation. Let's just jump into your early life. I want to hear about you growing up, your upbringing, up through your uh, formal schooling in college, university. Can you just kind of paint that picture for us, David? Absolutely, Barry. Um, That was a a boy in in a a country uh, where he always dream uh, when he was lying down on his on the floor for sleep and looking at the sky in the nighttime there's a small flight that with the blinking light and this boy was around probably like eight ten years old and he always tell the family that one day i will be flying in that type of flights like crazy and this boy family always laugh at him right because the the boy the 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 uh, childhood of this boy was like very, very, very lower background. That boy didn't even have technology there, no TV whatsoever. But this boy always tells them that, no, you will see me one day flying and working with those English-speaking people. That's what I always tell them. <laughs> and I have no idea why I always say that, but I always quote that. Fast forward, that boy came into his dream country, the country that he was dreaming all along from his childhood, and he was flying millions of miles in that flight, and that you are looking at him. That's my story. And um, I'm I'm the first uh, engineering graduate. I'm the engineer in electronics and communication background. I'm the first engineer in my entire county, I would probably say, back in India. And um, in that entire street, never, ever anyone had any graduation, college graduation ever happened. And the engineering never happened. And I was the engineer uh, passed with, um, um, in the GPA world, I can probably say close to four. Um, that's what um, my story is. And I always tell the people that you got to dream big. Mm. You have potential. You got to dream big. If you don't dream big, who's gonna dream for you? Mm. So that's my story. Yep. So it's been about close to quarter century here in this country. Um, every time I look around, and, and it's just amazing that that's the path that I came across, and that's my dream. Tell us about the brass tacks of that, as we would say. Where Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Where did you go to school? Tell us about your family growing up. Absolutely. So, yes, um, I I born in a, <clears throat> of course, uh, uh, in the southern part of India. It's called Vellur, um, the state called Tamil Nadu. Um, it's predominantly pretty um, local language speaking people in that state. And that's where I born. I born to, uh, uh, with, I born with, four other uh, siblings, and um, actually I'm one of the twins. My twin brother's still living in India, and I'm the only one in the, in the country, in, in, in the U.S., and my elder brother um, is a railway engineer in, in Indian Railway, and my sister, she's a housewife. She's a, an educator, but she's a housewife now, and um, my twin brother is running some business there. Um, I lost my father in 2001. And uh, my mother was is a she's a retired teacher and she's um, 86 years old. So that's my story. And I, I married to a beautiful woman, woman in faith. Um, her name is um, Amala. And I have uh, two beautiful children. Uh, one in college is 20 years old. Sachin, he's having that dream what I used to dream. So now he's actually flying in 20 years. <laughs> he's still in college, but he's flying. And I, I always tell him this the same. So he, one time he told me that when I drop him in the airport, he's like, Dad, do you remember I used to drop you? <laughs> and I always tell you that I want to fly. And Dad, I'm in the flight now. It's like, there you go, right? So I have beautiful son, Sachin. He's doing a... a dual major with Georgia State, and uh, he wants to uh, run for the office, and that's his political uh, life, and he ran five campaign already, 
uh, with the different candidates. Um, and then my, I have my daughter, who's a beautiful angel. Uh, she's in the 10th grade, and she's also following her um, uh, brother's footsteps. My son graduated um, high school in three years, oh, wow. and um, he's doing dual major in college, um, basically finishing dual major in four years. So that's based on my family. And I do have two, uh, four leg kids, Max and Matt. <laughs> and I'm a biggest animal lover. <laughs> I have my birds, uh, two parakeets in the house and 55 gallon aquarium and a whole lot of birds outside in the backyard. Wow. That's me. So I'm an animal lover and love to be with the children and the animals and the nature of the Lord. So that's, that's my background. That's awesome. Sounds like you got a zoo going on over there. <laughs> yep we also see some snakes and everything and fox also <laughs> i bet i bet that's funny now um so yep. you went to uh college university in india is that correct that is correct so i graduated in every all my education in india so engineering finished in the graduate uh, in a college in Vellur local uh, place um, that's one of the pretty prestigious university in india um, that's well known in us Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I graduated. And um, in India, the way that they hit the GPA is the standard. But in India, back those days, the first class, second class, third class. And the, I, I graduated in the first class with the distinction oh. um, in the college. Um, so that's where um, um, my uh, education is. And I'm, I'm, this is my country that I, I dreamed of all along. And this is the country that I'm living right now. I'm a citizen of this uh, great nation. That's and awesome. um, all my children. Yep, that's what I settled. That's great. As you know, in IT and in 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 our work, we've had the great privilege and blessing, I would say, David, of having a number of folks who are originally from another nation um, work for us as as senior consultants, like yourself, and um, place people in direct hire positions. And um, those stories, those motivations are always fascinating to me. And tell us a little bit about the process for you to uh, come over to America. What was the drive? What was the motivation there? So, like I said, that that was my dream all along to come to this country. So, uh, right from my, um, uh, probably in the high school, I always um, find out what it takes to come to this country. And uh, so it's a process, the H-1B is what every uh, immigrant would come into this country. So I came into this country with H-1B visa and worked for a software development company and um, started my life as a developer um, in the SAP world. So so that's why I started really. So I was a developer in SAP and doing the codings and things like that. Um, So that's... And, uh, you know, uh, after several years, uh, got the green card uh, eligibility and then approve, apply for the green card and then waited for another five years for the citizenship. And uh, it's been about probably 10 plus years I've been a citizen in this country. Right. Um, so my uh, my both kids born here and uh, we are um, uh, local Tagasta now. Yes. And my son born in Illinois, uh, where our, uh, our great president born. So that's where he is from. Uh, my daughter born in Augusta. Okay. Uh, so we have been living in Augusta for about 17 years now. Yeah. No, that's uh, a great That's the regular, that's the same process as an immigrant come through the regular channel and then um, get to the uh, a company which can, which can uh, sponsor my H1B and they sponsored it. Um, and then I moved all the way to this level today. So you and I know each other professionally, uh, primarily through your SAP work. So I wanted to double click on that for a second. Help me understand, um, did you choose SAP and then the company hired you to come to America on an H-1B because of your SAP knowledge or did you come over and did they train you? How did you get started in SAP? Good question. So I wasn't really an SAP developer to come over here. Okay. And I was a visual basic um, uh, developer and designer. Right. And uh, we did a couple of um, financial software using Visual Basic in India. Okay. And so that's how they saw me. And also that when the company interviewed me uh, in India, and they saw my uh, not only the passion to, to come over, but also they saw that I have the um, always look at outside of the box, not just looking at the one segment. And that's what attracted them. 
And uh, so they asked me to go for SAP training and I got the SAP training okay. and landed into the SAP development. So yeah, that's how I started. So we were talking yep. to a different guest uh, a little bit earlier in one of these episodes. And one of the things that I called out in his, his story is that he had proximity. He had um, a connection to somebody who could help him kind of get started. And what it sounds like is that your great academics going to a wonderful university in India kind of was proximity to get you in front of this company who then started you on the path and helped you go through the training of SAP, which you've kind of stayed through is a through line throughout your entire career. Is that right? That is right. But there's one person that I do want to credit uh, for this journey uh, that brought me here. Um, we had, you know, I have close friends and, uh, He's one of my closest to friend. Um, he's still living in India. Uh, he didn't get a uh, chance to come over here, but he's the one. His name is Zamir. He's the one who introduced me to this company. Mm. Um, so, so I did not know about the company that I landed in. Uh, it's called some SmartSoft International. Mm -hmm. That's the company that I came through. And uh, so he introduced me to the boss of the SmartSoft International. And um, the, the boss of that company is... is Pretty, pretty excellent pose, and it's a great company to to begin anyone's career. And um, so he saw my potential. Mm. And when he met me in the hotel um, in in India, he saw the potential in me. And so he did not hesitate a bit. Uh, he right away started the the sponsor process. Mm. So yeah, so I I to to this day he's my closest to friend, and he is the one who paved the way for us. And uh, through uh, through him, many other friends came over here in this country. We have big friends network. They all through the same company. Yeah. Um, so yeah, SmartSoft International is the one that paved uh, from Zamir for us. That's awesome. And how long did you work for SmartSoft? I want to say um, about seven years or six to seven years. Okay. Um, so I was one of the senior consultant. Uh, did several things. Uh, SAP wasn't the only thing to begin with. Um, the initially they, we were on the IBM Epsphere mm -hmm. Commerce, one of the software. Um, so and then um, we did a couple of uh, e-commerce sites and then moved on to the SAP. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's about, they, I was with them all the way to the green card process. Okay. Want to be uh, fair and make sure that the company, what they invested is what they got back from me. So yeah, I waited for all the process to be over. And wow. then um, with, with this blessing, I left um, after I got the green card. So yeah. Yeah. You strike me as a guy, yep. you said you left with his blessing. You strike me as a guy who does not burn bridges. Mm. One thing that, Barry, I want to tell anyone who's listening to this in, in, uh, in, uh, now, you don't, in this software industry, you do not want, want to burn the bridges <laughs> because you cannot, certain bridges, you cannot cross back again. And that's, that's something someone should never think about it. Whether it's a happy ending or negative ending, do not burn the bridges. Uh, because everywhere, somewhere, this is what I always tell, it's a small world. Mm -hmm. In software industry, there is a small world. One way or other, someone, we will inter we will meet the same individual after several years. So, yeah, do not burn the bridges. Yeah. Uh, you were at SmartSoft. You got, got to your green card process. What was the motivation? What was the desire for you to take the next position? You know, I... I did several projects under the SmartSoft. One of the projects is that one of the prestigious projects is the um, state of Pennsylvania where we implemented SAP. Mm -hmm. SAP was implemented to state of Pennsylvania for the first time ever in the entire North America. That was the first public sector project for SAP. Oh, wow. SAP was never implemented anywhere else. It's always private sector, private sector. And state of Pennsylvania was the first one. And I was from uh, SmartSoft for working for IBM. And so that's basically where I started all my uh, connections. And right after that, so I was traveling into Texas uh, for a different project after three and a half years of a remarkable journey with the state. Uh, we went live with 94,000 employees, um, an outstanding implementation for SAP and IBM. Um, so that created a lot of connections for me. And then I got a project in Texas. So while I was finishing in Atlanta was my hometown. That's where SmartSoft International is, even to this day. And I was traveling to Texas and coming back. And when the project was coming to end, I got a job offer in, um, in Augusta uh, to for lead SAP project uh, for a media company. Okay. 
It's called Morris Communication. Mm-hmm. So you know, back those days, it was a pretty, it's still the, the famous one. Yeah. And they had um, 20 plus newspaper and uh, 20 plus radio stations. Yeah. And there were only two SAP, two media companies in the entire our country that uses the SAP. And Morris was one of them. Mm. And so they want someone to have, who have a strong technical and the project management and the integration knowledge. So they were asked, they were looking for one and then they, they found me. And so that's how I um, I got this project. And then at that point, I told uh, Smart South International that I would like to leave because now I got the green cards a number of years and I may probably settle in, in this place. Sure. So that's how I um, I got into this path and left the Smart South. And I, I did have a connection with them. And um, even we met uh, after I left uh, with the, the president of the company and um, yeah, they still. I still one of their uh, favorite consultants. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, yep. Morris is a wonderful company. It has an amazing reputation around the, the country. The yep. best. Yeah. Yep. The best. So you were at Morris for right at three years, I think, and then you went to SRA. Is that right? That is correct. So that's another uh, phenomenal thing. With the Morris, there's one thing that I want to mention. This. This is where I always tell the people that we have. You have to believe yourself first, right? <laughs> If you are not believing in you, there's nothing you can achieve. So the reason why I'm saying that, Barry, with the more is, um, it was a, I'm not a media, I wasn't the media person, but I know SAP in and out. Um, so the media was such a challenging one, and SAP media was developed for the North America side of media side. Mm-hmm. So they don't, they didn't know much about our our country uh, media. So it wasn't a good fit a lot of gaps and the challenges. So I end up into there and then um, saw a lot of things to be changed. And, you know, we had a Siemens as a working partner for us on the project and I was leading it. And I was working with the, um, the media team on the Morris side. Everything was going good and a pretty challenging project. And um, there was a, a, due to some personal issues and the things of that, uh, the media lead from Morris who was my partner in the project, he committed suicide. Oh. Um, he was one of my best of the best friends. He became so f- close to us in family, and he's a, a great Christian family. And uh, we had you and I get together and things of it. And um, suddenly he committed suicide, and um, the, we were about two months away from the go live. Mm. And so much of investment did, and... Um, yeah, I mean, he's just one of my best friends. I'm, I'm, um, so the, the the vice presidents and everybody came, and then they were asking this question because first they thought I'm really impacted with the, with the loss because he was so close to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was very, very close friend. And even to this day, I never forget um, his sweet voice and his family and everybody. And I, they asked me that um, if I need counseling or anything, I need to postpone the project, we can postpone. But I know for sure that even to postpone for a month, it's going to take a lot of money from the customer. And I didn't want to um, want them to go through the suffering. And I did tell them that, no, we are going live on the same day. Wow. Um, they were kind of, they were like, are you sure? I was like, no, we have a great team from both sides. We're going to go live. And we we worked so many late nights and um, we did go live on the same day, wow. not even a delay. And um, so that's where the, the president of the company flew in from the headquarters and um, awarded the Employee of the Month Award and they, they honored me. So that basically opened the door with SRA. That's the reason I was saying mm-hmm. that opened the door with SRA because SRA got the contract with the USDA, so half a billion project, right. uh, SAP implementation uh, with the Department of Agriculture. And USDA did not have SAP system. Mm. And we are the one who implemented SAP for them. So I'm I'm blessed that every project that I am part of so far, it's all like a like a monument, like you know, it's a it's a crown to my head, that type of thing. So I, I thank the Lord for that. And that's the project where they got it and they never had SAP practice. So the company just got the first project. And uh, so I was the employee of SRA wow. and uh, played several, several roles uh, from the developer to the manager to the release manager, change manager, you name it. Um, and, and I did all kind of roles in that seven years wow. with them. That's amazing. That's amazing. I can't imagine. Yep. I mean, we work a lot with local and state government and higher education, as you know, and 
have not really done a lot in federal government, but the USDA for a project of that complexity and that magnitude had to be a huge people issue, huge process issue, huge business issue. How big was the team uh, working on the USDA SAP implementation? Oh, wow. I would probably say close to 200 to begin with uh, oh. because uh, it's uh, multiple partners. We had Accenture, our partner, and um, uh, we have several companies of partnership because it's not just one system. If I can simply say this to you, Barry, that anything that our school, school children eats today, mm-hmm. getting the food, and anything that we send to the foreign countries to help them out, any disaster or anything, it's all going through this system right. that's using SAP. Right. And um, so it's the it's entire thing, domestic, international. And we, our project was a mission critical project. And we even um, um, had our project showcased in the Congress. Uh, the USDA PM went to the Congress and he was invited to present the, the project and the achievements of it. Um, his name is Sean Brito, who is one of my favorites. Um, he's, um, he's now with SAP, he's a senior account manager and um, senior account executives. And he was the PM and um, he, he saw so many great things that we have done. And he even presented that article to the Congress. Wow. Um, so yeah, he became one of my um, um Person who, who people who, who recommend me to any project, oh. so that's another uh, project that's seven years put under the contract of SSR, and then um, the next uh, three years I moved to Khaki mm-hmm. because Khaki got the contract on the same USDA, so I was moved to SAP, and I was working with SAP for SAP for USDA. So it was about ten years in USDA. Um, wow. That with several roles. Started as a developer. When I left USDA after 10 years from SAP, I was a P1 consultant of SAP, uh, the top tier consultant uh, that was, I was putting support. And um, I'm blessed that when I was, uh, when the contract was given to SRV to Khaki, um, this is what I was told. Um, the USDA gave a list to the SAP and then in Khaki that these are the people that they want to retain. And they said my name was the first one. So that much is, is, is implementation and the, and the uh, impact that um, I was blessed to do in that project. Ten years, that's, the, that's one of my best projects. That's yep. amazing. I, I bet that's an amazing project. Um, and yep. from there, after 10 years there, you decided to go to Department of Defense. Is that right? That's exactly right. And that's... That's one of my honor project, and I was honored to work with some of the great servicemen of our country and active and, and, and uh, um, so retired. And so that's the greatest project. And um, we implemented SAP. I was working with Telesto as a director there, and I was an employee of Telesto. Telesto is the one which got the project, mm-hmm. and I was working closely with our CEO uh, Soren, who was also one of my mentor. And several leaders, several, several leaders. I'm, I'm, I know you will get to the question, but several leaders um, became my mentor. Right. I was learning from all these leaders all along. And um, so I was the director from uh, Telesto and uh, led the project um, as a release manager, change manager, integration manager, you, you name it, and all kind of, all kind of roles um, that I played after uh, uh, for two years. And um, after the two years, um, I had to leave the project because of the surgery that I had to go through. But that was another greatest project. Um, so this is about, I would probably say like out of my 25 years of uh, SAP, um, about 18 years of that, it's in the public sector. Okay. Wow. That's where all my life came. Uh, 10 years with the USDA and three and a half with the uh, state of Pennsylvania and two years with the um, uh, state of South Carolina and the two years with the defense. Mm-hmm. So majority of them are coming from the public sector. Do you think being in the public sector, I mean, I know you a little enough to know that you care about things other than work. You're a big family man, you're a big faith guy. Um, and what I find a lot of times, David, is that people who connect with uh, government or some kind of nonprofit organization, which government's a big nonprofit, as you know, um, they have a mission mindset. Do you think um, that spoke to you? Or? That really 
that's the greatest question Barry that um, I really appreciate because this is what I always tell the people that if in a, if a project don't have vision there's seriously something wrong mm. right in every project uh, if you are going to a project if you don't know what the, the mission of the project and the vision of the project team and the company then seriously something is wrong and all these come all these projects with the public sector and especially with the US states some the, the biggest are the biggest but the difference is the one where I learn a lot about the perfection and and the um, uh, and also the the, the zero uh, failure approach is what they all because it's defense and um, I blessed to work with some four star generals and they always say that this is what he always says guys what you do think about somewhere somewhere in the country in a somewhere remote country in the world our soldiers are looking at the sky and looking when is that procurement gonna come in when is that the weapon they are looking for is gonna come in that's what you are doing and you cannot make a mistake and there is no uh, possibility of failures here and all so all we are doing is success to get to that soldier at that midnight in nowhere in the world that's what you are doing it and wow. that's the type of um, uh, things that really attracted me a lot uh, starting with the uh, um, uh, USDA um, that was really the one that really motivated me to work for all the the government organization a lot yeah and i'm the company that i'm working with they have we have that's something is great thing here with our NS2. There is a vision and there is a mission statement, what we want to achieve and how we can achieve it and what's the path. Yeah. And that really gives anybody to look around, okay, where we are, here is what the company is looking for, how long it's going to take, how I'm going to take, take a, get to that. Right. That basically is what defined the whole thing here. It's interesting. I, I connect a lot with what that general said, because I think a lot of times, particularly in technology, David, we get so caught up in the, the bits and the bytes and the workflow and the stand up and the, you know, what is the burn rate? And we get all that. But at the end of the day, most of the time you're touching systems that support and help thousands, if not millions of people locally, nationally around the globe. And what we find is that's one of the things that really attracts great talent like yourself to projects like that. Because, you know, government, whether it's federal, state, local, higher ed, whatever, it's not a sexy thing. You know, it's not like working for SAP Americas and you got, you know, all the cool stuff. It's not that, but it's, man, I want to do something that's bigger than myself and, you know, affect that kid's life, that soldier's life, that you know, single mom's life, whatever the case might be. Um, and, and we see that every day and it's, it's, it's really yep. invigorating, but a lot of people who haven't been exposed to that don't stop and think about that. So the opportunity yep. that you've had has been really excellent. Let me, let me ask you, um, you talked about some of your bosses and some of your influences. Tell us a couple of stories about some of the, some of your mentors. I will probably start with um, uh, State of Pennsylvania because I always, you know, blessed with the mentors there. So I was working for IBM and um, um, my manager was Luca Gabrielli. Uh, he's an Italian, he's an Italian, he's an Italian now. And um, so he, one time um, I was late to a meeting and I was coming out of other meeting and that he had another meeting he's scheduled and he's right after the, my meeting. So I was running from one conference to other conference room and he and everyone was there, um, client manager, director, and so I'm walking in two minutes late, mm-hmm. two minutes late, sure. right? And he look at me face to face. He's like, Ganesh, that was my name back then. He's like, Ganesh, what time is it? I was like, two minutes past, Luca. He's like, the meeting's supposed to be at two to 10 o'clock. You are walking 10 or two. I'm going to ask you two questions. Do you really have to be in this meeting? Give me answer, yes or no. And I said like, yes. He's like, if you are saying yes, why did you late? Why are you coming late? Are you not thinking that you're not paying attention? You're not giving any value to the customer? And I was like, oh, my God. But I really thought that he really offended me because there was a whole lot of big guys there. But, he, he you know, he all, we always walk back to the, the hotel room on the downtown in Harrisburg. And he was walking back. On that evening, he's like, Ganesh, just leave, stay there. I'll, I'll be walking out with you. I was like, sure. And I was really upset with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, when he was walking, he was giving some stories of some uh, the uh, 
uh, education of why you have to be very, very um, consistent and also careful and giving the value to the customer because they're like, David, isn't it Ganesh, you, we are not paying, IBM is not paying you, IBM is not paying me, government is paying us. And for us, they are our boss. And you don't want to disrespect your boss and then having them wait for two minutes, it's not the right thing. So you already say like, you need to have practice to come for five minutes earlier, right. any meeting, or if you're organizing a meeting, start that meeting five minutes earlier. That shows how much you show importance and the and the, the care for the customer. And that's what you should do. So I really took it very to this day. If you ask all my friends, I show my meeting I start my meeting five minutes earlier, <laughs> at least. And I always tell the people that they're always like, oh, you're always early. Then I say like, oh, that's because of one who changed my life 25 years ago. Right. So that's my mentor, Luca, where I learned a lot of about value, the customer. Mm. Mm. And because at the end of the day, most of the people think that, oh, um, if I'm working for SAP, SAP is my, paying my uh, my paycheck. But it's not really SAP. That's right. Who is paying SAP for my job? They are the customer. So that's what he explained to me. 25 years later, he still sit, still sit, uh, stick with me. And USD is several people. Uh, I'm I'm afraid that I will I will probably miss somebody. But I do want to highlight few few people there. Uh, Bruno is my he was my VP uh, in SRA, and uh, he taught me a whole lot of. Um, project management and the, um, the psychological in, uh, uh, implement, how you can implement the project in a stronger uh, and without any compromising any value at the same time, more successful and growing the people. And he was my biggest mentor. And he always tell the one thing is like, David, never ever forget or never ever shy away weed in your yard. If there is a weed, you have to treat it. He always says, like in a project team, if you see someone is not doing the right thing and affecting our customer, you have to really fix that issue. That's Do right. not walk away because one day the weed will eat the entire yard and you don't want that. So he's my mentor and he, he really mentored in a lot of other ways. Let me ask you this. I've been on some project teams and I've led some project teams and nothing like what you've done, but I have traveled and stayed uh, with the client for weeks at a time. And, you know, that team connection that you talk about walking back to the hotel together and you basically live with these people for weeks, months, maybe years on end. I see a lot of folks who reach a certain level in their career and they wouldn't take the dressing down the lesson about being two minutes late to a meeting. What do you think allowed you to be open to that feedback. It is what I look at that lesson. That's the lesson made me where I am today, who I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a simple five minutes lesson that you, five minutes that you would have spent, but that made a big change in my life. And you didn't have to do it because he was my manager. You could have simply said that, you know, you do not come, don't come anymore late. That's it, right? You could have said that, or you could have asked me, just leave the room because you are late. I don't want to disturb the meeting. He could have done it, but... He did not, and it really took the time to explain to me. Mm. Um, and and then, not only that, at the end of it, and he saw all my performance and everything, he wrote a letter of recommendation to a with IBM letterhead, and even to this I have it. And so that's what I learned from it. So the leaders are the ones who create the leaders. Mm. Um, so in all my life that everywhere I am, I always try to create the leaders. Um, so several leaders that right now where they are today, um, we actually in my leadership, I created them, gave them the position and helped them to to grow. And always, um, you know, whenever there is an opportunity to, to explain to them something that they are not doing right, I always take a time to spend and point that to them in a gentle way and, and then help them out to grow because that's what I was I was given, right? And all these leaders and all these people, great people that I mentioned, they spend their time, which is why I am today and I'm able to grow, uh, mentor my, my son. And I'm right now in my project, there are several people that they really, you know, I'm thanking God that uh, even my team members, they look up, on, up to me and I do mentor them because I always tell them that you you, you can be a leader one day, but if you, if you grow, grow into all these things, because life is all improvements and continuous improvement is something that 
we should never forget. Right. Nobody is perfect. Nobody is perfect. But we can grow into that perfection as long as I admit that. This is what my brother always tell uh, Barry, that if you ask my son, you would say the same. If you ask my daughter, she would do the same thing. He always says that unless you admit that you need to grow, you will never grow. Ooh. And that's what my brother said that all the time, you know, he was like a military type of thing that he raised me. But that's what made me today. So I always tell my kids the same exact thing. So if you ask my kids, what is the one thing that your dad always tell you? They will, without a second, they will say, oh, this is exactly what he always says. So I always tell the people, you want to grow, then you need to admit that you need to grow. Because no one is perfect. No one born as the lead, the perfect leaders. We grow into it. So if someone is pointing out to, to us, that's something that we need to grow. Yeah. So that's how um, to this day that um, I never stop that. I never stop learning from anybody, uh, whether it's my uh, team member or low level, higher level, as long as there is something that they want to help me out, I do want to look at that and then grow into it. That's a great axiom uh, for your kids, and I'm sure they'll tell their kids and their kids and um, all the folks that you work with. So, you know, one of my favorite words, which I'm going to ask you your favorite word in a little bit, but one of my favorite words is the word progression going from here to, mm. to there. And, uh, it just eats me up inside. Um, and I, part of the reason we love what we do is because we love to see people go from one spot, whether that's a consultant or a, a hiring manager or a team that's in disarray and go to somewhere, somewhere else. We love to see that movement. Um, so I, I appreciate that. You're the delivery manager today at Norfolk Southern based in Atlanta. Um, Correct. you've had a lot of great success. You had a wildly successful career to this point. You've moved and become a U.S. citizen from India, which is one of the countries I want to go to, by the way. The view from here, what's your areas of focus going forward? What are your goals going forward, David? So the, my goal is that um, I want to go into an integrated environment not just on a one small setup. And I want to look at the holistic approach of a company of a software company, can be a software company or a, a manufacturing company, anything, I want to look at that at the integration level. Mm -hmm. Think outside of the box and then integrate that because you can have an efficient process in every area, but if they are not integrated, you're not going to get the best out of it. So that's where I want to be looking at it. And also that in any software industry, being a software industry person, I want to grow into a place where that basically uh, we integrate that the sales after service and to the implementation success because I have seen areas where it can be improved and where it can be successful. And, and so that's the area that I want to look into it uh, further growing into my career. And, and where I am right now, that's basically what I'm doing. I'm looking at overall, like lots of um, uh, projects level. And it's not just simply in one area of delivery, but it's delivery of many projects in an integrated fashion hmm. and integrating the systems together and, and bring the, the best out of each system and integrate that so you have one source and efficient way of getting into the, the corporate hand. So that's where basically I'm looking. Tell us a little bit about your role currently at Norfolk Southern in conjunction with that. Give us some sense of kind of what are your um, areas of focus there? Uh, what are some of your responsibilities? Um, and give us some sense of where the company is. The vision of the team where I am right now is the quality center of excellence. So this is establishing the quality in our company in NS. And not only the part of that is also automating the testing uh, within the NS. So there is a tool that uh, the vendor is a Tricentis and company invested a lot of money into it. So the company vision is that basically to automate every every project testing into the automation way using these tools. Okay. So that's basically the high level at the same time. And also that the, the testing should, should have an efficient testing methodology and the, the quality standards, if you will, and the best practices across the board, across the project teams. So these are all some of the higher level is what I have to, what my responsibilities are. So there is about a couple of projects that I'm working on and it's all bringing them into this 
automation industry with the quality enforced and quality continuously uh, improved uh, with the ITIL um, uh, enforcement across the board. So it's like I said, it's like quality management plan establishment of it and uh, how you are testing it, how you are validating it and how you are you know, making sure the checks and balances are built and up to a point where you are, you are delivering something with the with the minimal to no defects into the production system. So customers will not have any impact because this is a train industry. Any defects obviously can impact the, the train operation and, and things related to that. So that's where we are heading. And so that's where I am uh, basically ar- um, um, architecting the whole, uh, the quality standards of the, of the company and establishing all this plan, quality management and uh, test management and um, um, uh, this best practices for the automation and all. Now I'm working on a project. It's actually new, pretty interesting, integrating the service now to the Salesforce to the um, uh, Jira. So that will be one system, you know, one one system of information. So that type of thing is what I'm doing. Okay. Integrating the entire company, bringing the best from every project, every every system into a one common uh, tool they can go through it. So that's one of the things that I'm doing right now. And I, ha- and I have to imagine that that's a huge project because Norfolk Southern is it a is. huge enterprise. I mean, it's a you know globally known, recognized brand with thousands and thousands of employees and devices yes. and equi- pieces of equipment. And I can't yep. imagine the complexity that something like that would have. But that sounds like your bailiwick. You like big, hairy, crazy, scary projects, don't you? It is. It is. <laughs> Well, let me yep, let me ask is. you. Um, I know that um, you have a life outside of work. Uh, you've alluded to it a couple of times, so I want to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit, David, um, as we kind of uh, close up here. So, am I right in that um, you've written a children's book? Am I correct on that? I'm right. I'm writing the parenting book. It's almost done. Okay, tell us about that a little parenting. bit. Parenting. So this is about um, seven years ago um, in, our, in our previous church, uh, it's my home church, when they asked me to teach parenting uh, to the church. And um, uh, that's where I was like, I have no idea what they're talking about because <laughs> I was only like young in parenting. There are lots of senior parents than me. But um, the director, who is uh, Jenny Roberts, she's uh, pretty close to me. And she's like, no, I, I, I have a lot leading uh, for you to do this. And so when I went to the Lord and I was like, Lord, I have no idea what they're talking about. It's not just taking a few scriptures to explain to people because they already know what it is. Mm-hmm. But the Lord gave me a, a vision of a tree. And he said, this is what I'm going to take you. I was like, this is about parenting, not planting. <laughs> he said, that's what I'm going to take you. Parenting is nothing but planting a tree. Mm. It takes a lot of effort uh, to prepare the ground, prepare ourselves, right? As a parent, it's not really much really with the kid, how much I'm as a good parent, I can teach myself so I can I can raise my kids in the right way. So that's how he, has been, he, he walked me. It's about two years plus in the previous church and I did it. And that's what triggered me to write this book. And now in the, in the church where we are planted at this time, I'm doing the same parenting class mm. Um the book is almost done. Okay. Uh, so parenting is planting a tree. So that's what this book is about. How cool is that? How cool is that? Well, yep. talk to me. You've mentioned your family a couple of times. Um, I'm sure you're very connected with your uh, nuclear family, as we say in the U.S., your wife and your two kids, and you've talked about them and their great successes. Um, your family in India, I'm sure you're very close to, and then you have a an auxiliary family Um of folks that yep. you work with. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So my wife, uh, like I said, she's a beautiful woman of uh, faith. Her name is Samula. She was a nurse in India, bigger hospital for 11 years. And when we married, we we actually, our marriage is a love marriage. Um, I was dating her about six and a half years uh, to get the permission from my marriage, from my family, waited for six and a half years to get married. Um, so yeah, she's, this, when we, married and decided to have kids and uh, our decision was that one of us will not work uh, if you are going to have kids and uh, she made the decision to sacrifice her career uh, for the kids so she's a housewife 
Um, that's how our kids are raised because I was traveling all over all the time. Sure. Uh, so she raised and she's having her own uh, prayer ministry and uh, she has a full-time ministry at that too. And um, like I said, the two kids, Sachin and Monisha, Sachin is a, like I said, he's a, he wants to run for the office. Um, he has a strong vision for our country. And he did five campaign already. He ran a campaigns uh, for five different level of people, district commissioner, all the way to the uh, federal house of representative election, oh, wow. uh, including a governor election to the judge. Yeah. So he, he did all those things. So he's running into that. Uh, my daughter, um, my son is a, is a guitarist. Uh, which I tried to learn, I could not learn. <laughs> <laughs> and my my daughter is a singer, beautiful singer. Oh wow! Um, she can bring down the heaven when she sings. So that's our name is Munisha. Uh, so my son name is Sachin. Awesome. I was a cricket player in India, so Sachin Tendulkar was the biggest uh, cricketer, and I named my son after him. Oh, very <laughs> uh, so good. Sachin, that's his name. That's awesome. And uh, two, yep. So my life is really. Um, the church um, and the ministry and the, and the and the family and the Lord. That's I mean, the Lord is the first, and then the ministry, and then the uh, family and the job. So that's my four four priorities that I always have. That's awesome. First in the Lord, and then the ministry. That's great. It's very clear in talking to you, even prior to today's interview, that you are very focused on giving back. Um, so I want to know kind of where does that come from, from the little boy in India looking up at the plane and saying, one day I'll be on the plane to, to where you are now. Um, tell us kind of not only the philosophy you have about giving back, but the, the action steps that you take in giving back. You know, all along uh, my life that uh, someone always played a role in my life and, and did something to me, which is what where I am today, uh, with all the folks that I mentioned. Uh, from my childhood itself, that when I wanted to be a an engineer, um, and I got the the order from the, the confirmation from the college that I'm I'm selected to join the engineering college, and um, you know, being coming from the poor family in the background back those days, um, we didn't even have the the money to to pay for the fee that they were asking. So very 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 minimal, even in those days. But um, we were not. Uh, fortunate enough to to pay for it, mm-hmm. and I still remember that my mom wrote a letter to one of our family uh, well wisher, and I took that letter to his house, and um, he told me he looked at my eyes after reading the letter. He's like, "Don't worry, I got you. You come to the college, I will pay for the uh, for the fee." Even that also, my life is always contributed by somebody um, outside of our family, uh, which is what basically uh, contributed in my life that. You know, you don't want to be a selfish, right. you know, do something back to the country that is feeding you, giving you the shelter and give back something to the community that where you are part of it and your neighbors and you to the strangers. Um, so that's where uh, my, my life is. That's awesome. I grew up pretty poor, too, and um, I was able to go to college because my grandfather and grandmother paid for it. And um um, so gotcha. I, I have a connection to that kind of thing because there's no way we've got... been able to do that. So, all right, let me ask you, we have this, uh, lightning round, uh, didn't prepare you for these questions and they're pretty simple. What is something when you were a mid to young career professional that you overvalued from a career perspective that as you have grown into the person and the professional that you are today is not as important as you thought it might be when you were 25 or 30 or 35 years old. Um, in the USTA project, that's one first project that one of the roles that suddenly asked me to play is a release manager. Mm-hmm. And um, being in the manager and worked in that capacity, all of a sudden uh, was thrown into that uh, release manager. And I was, I, I really thought that I was overvalued for that because I, I did not have that much of background of a release manager or anything back then. Mm-hmm. And so I really thought that I was an overvalued uh, position. But later on, I realized that it wasn't really about the qualification, but it was the trust that the company had mm-hmm. where they, they saw that I can work through it. I can make the things I can. I have the, the learning curve is what they really told me at later point is what they attracted, attracted them to give me that position. So. That's one thing that I still and I never forget that uh, because I thought for a second that, wow, that's bigger. But later on, I understood that's that's what they, they made the decision. When you were a young 
career professional in, in the U.S. Um, what did you undervalue? What did you think was less important when you were young that is highly important now? The less important in my, <clears throat> at some point back those time is that the family life. Mm. I did not really put much effort on it because I used to work like 14, 15 hours solid every day. And um, so even my family to talk to me, it's like uh, they have to like, you know, keep on popping up on my room and then walk away, that type of things. And I did not see that as a, such a value because I was like, you know, this is career, this is career, this is career. But now I see that, oh my God, that is not the right thing to do. Right. You have to have the family background, uh, family uh, built and the foundation. So that's something that um, I realized. Mm. Other than your current job that you have today, what is a job or a career, David, that you would love to try? Yes, um, I, I want to be um, in the full-time ministry. Okay. Um, so for the Lord, so that's what I'm I'm, pl- I'm planning for, and also some do some mentorship for the uh, young um, young people. Awesome. Yeah. Who has the the, the inspiration or aspire to to become the bigger one? Those type of people that I want to mentor to them. Very good. And what is a job or a career other than your own that you would never want to try? Oh, that's a good question. Definitely not the CEO. I don't want to be a CEO of a company. <laughs> <laughs> that's too much. <laughs> Anything below that is okay, but not the CEO. <laughs> I understand. All right, our yeah. last two questions. What is your favorite word? Um, when it comes down to the professional uh, career, this is what I always want to tell the people that anything that you do in a company, in a project, or wherever it is, always four things important. People process, control, top-down management approach. Always think about who, who you are doing this project for, and that's the people. And think about what they are doing today. Never discount what they are having a process today. Never put the word that, oh, the process is not right. Do not say that. Try to understand why they are doing it. And then bring the, your process, what the efficient process, explain to them, educate them, and then make it efficient. And then bring the quality into it and control the quality in all these things. Never try to do anything without the top down management approach. The management should bless you in order to move down. If the management is not having a vision, do not try anything starting with the people level. Okay. So that's the fourth thing that I always say people process control top down approach. Okay. What is your least favorite word, David? Failure. Because in, even in a failure, people always can look at it and they're always something that you did success. So that's how I always tell my son that it's okay to fail, but fail big. Try and fail big, it's okay because you tried. It's not the bad thing, but yeah, failure. I totally failed. That's the part that is the, the, the word that I, know, I don't want to hear. Because everyone has a potential to do something uh, in their level. Well, David Jarraman, thank you for being on our podcast, Tech Leaders Talk. It was a great pleasure for us to have you and listen to you and uh, gain from your understanding and your wide experience. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you've done for us. My pleasure there. Again, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you so much again for all your questions and uh, glad to be connected again here on this network. Thanks for joining us today on the Tech Leaders Talk podcast. Learn more about our show at techleaderstalkpodcast.com and follow us on social media. We are Tech Leaders Talk Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And we're on Twitter at Tech Leaders Pod. Subscribe to our show wherever you get podcasts. And please share this episode with at least one person in your life who would benefit. Until next time, Tech Leaders, keep talking.